God said it, and that settles it. Somebody told me this morning, I knew you were preaching when I saw the title. <laughs> let, me, uh, let me just say, too, uh, thank you, Craig, for reading the Scripture and praying for us, leading us. Craig is our new elder, and uh, we are blessed to have uh, godly leaders like we do. And thank you, sir, for reading this morning, but serving as an elder. We appreciate it. Jim Tolan just rotated off, and we appreciate his service. He's been serving us the last five years. We're very thankful for Jim. Let him know when you see him that you appreciate his service. You, we spend hours praying for the congregation and, uh, and taking very seriously our role to shepherd the congregation. Also want to say, from that perspective down there, I am so thankful. It hit me this morning how blessed we are to have the musicians we have. Amen? Uh, I'm just so thankful. Happy birthday, Susan. Today. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the happy birthday lady, somebody called her. Yeah, happy birthday, Susan. God said it and that settles it. So we've been working through Psalms 119. It's an alphabetical psalm, mean, uh, meaning each eight verse section starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And each verse in that section starts with that Hebrew letter. Today it's Lamed. Um, last week... We found the psalmist at his lowest point in this psalm. And today we see a dramatic difference, a much more joyful tone. David's experience and his knowledge of God's word has helped him find comfort and assurance and and joy. And that's where we find David today. But before we go there, let's let's think about where we are. This is a very unsettled time we're living, isn't it? Uh, between COVID and lockdowns and economic uncertainty and a very bitter and divisive political climate that seems to pervade everything, uh, complete with talks of rampant corruption and massive distrust. And then there's racial issues and wildfires and hurricanes. And I heard there were tigers loose in Tennessee. I'm thankful they got to come through Leesburg before they get to Roxborough. Uh, I'm sure Annie will take care of it for us. Uh, Man, uh, it's interesting times, isn't it? Who or what do you trust? We read a lot. We read headlines, articles, Facebook, tweets, and opinions. If you're like me, when the phone tells you how much time you've been spending on your phone, you it's instant guilt. I don't know if your phone does that for you, but I don't know how to turn that off. But, uh, yeah. And we've got opinions, don't we? Opinions abound, and they're all expert, and they all say the exact opposite of each other. And it's kind of hard to know. And then and then folks say, well, science and that like that settled and it doesn't seem to be settled anymore. If you try to follow anything these days, opinions are plentiful and facts are very hard to find. And it seems that the truth right now is determined by whoever has the loudest bullhorn. The lies and deception and deceit and. And it can seem to weigh us down and it'll feel like you're bound or hindered. Uh, and, it, and it affects us in every way, doesn't it? Um, I, I, I thought of this week, I thought of the, the scene from, uh, I forgot the name of the movie. But Tom Cruise is sitting there with Jack Nicholas. I want the truth. And what did Jack Nicholas say? You can't handle the truth. 
You, you can't handle the truth. Well, I believe God is saying to us here, you want the truth. I will give you the truth. I've given you the truth. I've given you the truth. It's settled. It will not change from today or tomorrow or to eternity. And it's stable. And it's sufficient. And it'll give you life and it'll set you free. God's word. So let's let's walk through this. The eternal stability of God and his word. The first thing we see in this passage is that God's word is eternal and it's unchanging forever. O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heaven. David begins here by speaking praise to the Lord and God's word is eternal. It's forever. I don't know about where you're from, but where I'm from, that's a long time forever. It's kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? Thinking forever, never ceasing. God's word is firmly fixed. That means it's established, it's settled, it's set. The idea is that literally there is an unchangeable fixedness to the word. The word and God's purposes and his promises will never change. Ever. Do you know anything else like that? <laughs> hmm? God and His Word. That's it. And, you know, we live in a relativistic society where this idea is that anything newer is better. And everything needs an update. Well, this doesn't need an update. And it is settled. And it's as true now as it ever was. And it will be forever true. Isaiah 40, we, we see this throughout Scripture. It's, it's timeless and it's true. Isaiah 48, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. First Peter 1, 25, the word of the Lord stands forever. I don't know about you, but that's assuring to me. Because that means this is something we can hold on to and it ain't going to move and it ain't going to shake. And there's stability to be found right here in God's word. Secondly, we see God's word provides stability for humanity. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. Or your version may say from generation after generation. It continues. That's easier for us to consider when thinking about time than than forever, isn't it? We can imagine generation after generation. I remember visiting my great-grandmother, Leslie Storms Taylor, when I was a kid. She died when I was a senior in high school. She was 101 when she passed away. She was born in 1888. You think about that. Just, just imagine the changes that she saw in her lifetime. There were people living when she was born and was growing up that could tell her about the Civil War. Wow. Okay. She didn't have any electricity in her home as a child. There were no indoor plumbing. There were there was nowhere to plug up her cell phone. Um, there were no automobiles. They weren't widely owned until the. Until the late 20s. And in rural North Carolina, it was probably the 30s. My mom told me that she didn't think she had ever had a license or a car. Actually, she didn't say she didn't think. She said she had never owned a car. 
Now, she probably thought it was just a passing fad. Um, that was a joke. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think she wanted to drive. Uh, she may not have had the, it may have been a, a matter of means for my great-grandmother. But I think about the changes she saw and what that was like. And then I, I think about my life in those generations after generations. And I can start with her and count great-grandparents, grandparents, my parents, me, my son, my grandson. I'm seeing six generations. At the rate I'm going, I probably won't see that seventh, but Sharon probably will. But, but it's possible. But generation after generation, I have seen personally the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God endure through our generations. How about you? Have you seen God's faithfulness? Whether you have or not, know this. God's faithfulness endures. It endures. You see, God is beyond time. He has always been and always will be. And His faithfulness endures. Another word for faithful is truthful. And God's truth is His word and it never fails. His faithfulness endures. The third thing we see here is God's word provides stability for all creation. Reading the verse, you have established the earth and it stands fast or stands firm. The idea here is it's fixed. And because God created the earth, it continues in stability. The earth keeps his, its course. The globe turns. We have day and night. We have the seasons. By the way, happy fall, y'all. We're in fall. Can you believe it? Fall is here. I'm happy about that. Um, no pumpkin spice, but, you know. <laughs> pumpkin pie? Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin spice. Anyway. You see the seasons. The sky, the earth, the sea, it's all arranged and kept in order by its creator. God's spoken word established his creation and it stands fast. And in verse 91, we read, by your appointment, they stand this day. The appointment, that's God's judgments, God's pronouncements, his directives. They stand. Who is they? They is the heavens and the earth. Because God hasn't told the universe to stop, it continues. He told it to start, and it's still going. He hasn't told it to stop. I believe the they here also includes, though, the, the collection of the generations that was just mentioned. Because the passage goes on to say, for all things are your servants. They were created by God's word to serve their creator. They do that by obeying his word, by and, and thereby fulfilling their purpose. Even those who deny God's existence cannot avoid God's sovereignty. No Adam can escape his rule. All creation serves and is sustained by the creator. And the fourth thing we see here is God's word gives personal stability. If God's word established the world, it can establish you and I. If his word is settled, then it can settle you, individual believer. Verse 92. 
And we're going to spend some time here. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. The, the obvious first question is, do we find delight in reading God's word? John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, said, Our pleasure, another word for pleasure is delight. Our delight and our duty, though opposite before, since we have seen his beauty, are joined to part no more. I like that. When we see God for who he really is, when we come to know him through his word, duty and delight come together as we serve him. It's a beautiful thing. Is time in God's Word a duty to you? I'm not going for a guilt trip here. I doubt any of us are where we should be when it comes to quiet time. Time with the Lord and His Word and study. David is saying God's Word is his delight. Maybe more time growing in our knowledge of God and His Word would help us. It would help us to see His beauty and His glory and help us to find delight in the glorious gift of knowing Him intimately and experiencing His life as we spend time hearing from Him through His Word. But this idea is a common theme for those who love the Lord. We see it throughout Scripture. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. And even in this passage... Look back at verse 47. Verse 47 says, I delight in your commands, which I love. Which I love. And then if you look in verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. That's how much David values God's word. But what was it that sustained David, that kept him from perishing? Yes, it was God's law. His instruction, but it was also David's understanding and appreciation of it. It was significant that God, that David delighted in God's instruction. He knew its value and he treated it as such. How tragic would it be? Just imagine somebody dies of starvation. And, and the first responders go and they look and the fridge is full of food. And the pantry is full of food. Now, that would be tragic and you'd scratch your head. But I feel like that's how we live spiritually sometimes. We're we're starving spiritually and we've got all the food we need right here. God's word is our spiritual food. David said he would have died. Now, I don't know the details. It sounds very serious, doesn't it? I would have died. There will be times in our lives when we may grieve to the point of wanting to die. Feeling like we can't go on. That we can't endure anymore. And the only thing that will sustain us and carry us through will be the comfort of God's Word. His promises. They may be delivered to us from the page. They may be delivered to us through a brother or sister. They may be brought back to mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. Engaging in what we've learned and bringing it back to us. But the power of the Word of God, His very words to us, have a sustaining effect, a stabilizing effect in the life of the believer. 
May that be our testimony in that moment when we're at our lowest. May we be able to say, if your, if your word, O oh Lord, had not been my delight, I wouldn't have made it. Realizing that that's where we need to go to find the strength. That's where we need to go to find the sustenance. That's where we need to go to find the help. Because that is where God meets us and speaks to us in and through his word. That is my prayer for us, that we would grow to see the treasure that is God's word and that we would delight and find joy and pleasure in it, understanding its value. Delighting in God's word brings stability to life. Second primary point, the eternal sufficiency of God and his word. God's word is sufficient for life. Verse 93, I will never forget your precepts. Forever your word is, oh, let me, let me, let me say this. It's, it's like when David put this together, each, each uh, four verse section started with the same word. And the first section started with forever your word is firmly fixed. The second, the second four verses start with forever I will not forget. Well, that's not how we speak in English, is it? Uh, forever not equals Never. You with me? Okay. So your version probably doesn't start with forever in that verse. I think I checked them all. I don't think any of them did that. Um, I will never forget your precepts. I will remember your precepts is another way to say it. And, and precepts is, there's, there's several words that, that David uses that equal the word of God here. Precepts is one of them. And there's, there's slight variations in meaning. Uh, precepts literally means the detailed application of God's truth to life. So it's a very practical word. But David is saying, I will remember how you told me to live from your word. That's what he's saying. For by them you have given me life. Now... It wasn't the precepts that gave David life, but God gave him life through his precepts. So we see the source of life is God, but the means by which it's given is his word. And the instrument that God uses is valuable. David says, I will not forget God's instruction. And it's pretty cool. It was it was the little light bulb moment for me when I saw that verse 92 says Basically, and this is my paraphrase, verse 92, if your word had not been my delight, I would have died. But 93 says, I'll never forget your word because by it you give me life. Without the word, I'm dead. With the word, I'm alive. Do you see that? It's like two sides of the same coin. Delighting in and remembering God's word whereby we have life. What does he mean by that word life? It literally means quickened. It means alive and lively. Now, we we understand. Most of us in here should understand. We 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 understand that we're dead in our sins apart from faith in Christ. But in Christ, we are alive spiritually. We're, We're made alive in him. Ephesians 2 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now 
at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of the flesh, of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's where we were when we were dead in trespasses. But God, I love that. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. Amen. That's the life that we have. That's the life that we receive when we hear God's word. That is the gospel and respond in repentance. That's turning from sin and faith. That's trusting and believing in Christ. That's the life that we have. But when David says here, you have given me life by and through your word. I believe there's another aspect here. He's speaking of the spiritual sustaining power of his word. And this is a theme for David. Let's look back through again, starting in verse 25 of this same chapter. David says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Look to verse 37. He says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. In verse 40. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life in verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. And then in verse 88, where we were last week. In verse 88, in your steadfast love, give me life that I may keep the testimonies of your mouth. Again. The word is spiritual food for our souls, giving energy to our very soul. Let me ask you, what gives you energy? What gets you going? What gives you joy? What throws logs on your fire? Gives you, gives you strength, keeps you, keeps your, uh, your focus and attention. What is it? It may be a hobby. It may be work. It, it, it may be a lot. It may be family. It may be good things. It may be not good things. It, it may be a lot of things. But what about God's word? That's what gave David life. What makes you alive and lively? You can't delight in the truth of God and in the person that is the truth if you don't know either one of them. And you can't remember what you've never known. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you to consider these truths today. You've already heard the basics of the gospel today. Consider that. And I'm praying that God would be convicting you right now of your sin and of your need for forgiveness. Of your need for a Savior. For those of us who know Jesus... I'm praying that this is going to be encouragement to press into him and his word. And to and to seek to know him and experience the fullness of a life lived with him and by his power. The next point, God's word is sufficient through sufferings and trials. Verse 94, I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. 
If we're confident we belong to the Lord, we can be confident that he'll save us. We know we can't save ourselves. We need the Lord. But can you say to the Lord, as I just indicated, can you say, I am yours? Those who truly are the Lord, Lords, that, that truly do belong to him, will seek to live out his precepts. Again, to, to live according to his life instructions. And the phrase here that David uses is, I have sought. Man, that should be encouraging. It's encouraging to me. Because David's not saying, I've arrived spiritually. He's saying, I have sought to do this. I've been seeking to live an obedient life. When we read it, our covenant, it was a process. We took a long time. Everybody had a chance to have an input in that covenant. But one of the last significant changes that was made is we had gone through and we said, um, I will do this and I will do this and I will do this. And several people said, I can't do that. I can't do that. What? This, this, is, uh, this is heavy. And one of the significant changes we made is we, we changed it to say, I will seek to. Because we're going to fail, right? We're going to struggle. David was still still in that mode of being sanctified. He was not perfect. He was a man. And he's saying here, I, I have sought. And, and that's, what he's, that's what he's been doing. I have sought to, to live an obedient life. Our confidence is not in our efforts. It's because of his grace that we can say, I am yours. With that understanding of our desperate need for him and his grace... One commentator said this, he said, when the Lord sets us seeking, he will grant us the saving. I like that. Titus 3 says, when the kindness of our God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. He does the saving. And we do the calling out. And that's what David was doing. But he was doing that in the confidence that he belonged to the Lord. He knew that because he had sought the Lord and he knew he wouldn't have been seeking the Lord without the Lord drawing him to do that. In verse 95, we read, The wicked lie in wait to destroy me, but I consider, that is, I seek to understand, your testimonies. Again, testimonies is another word for God's word, but it literally means what God bears witness to about himself and his truth. God bearing witness to. So think about this. Wait a minute. The wicked lie and wait to destroy me. But David is 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 considering and understanding and reading God's word. He's focused on God's word when folks are out to get him. I almost picture a guy walking down the sidewalk looking at his phone. That's not safe, is it? There's videos like that. It's uh, scary. Some are funny. Some are scary. That's, that's, not, that's not like this. That's not what's going on here. There is spiritual wisdom here. And David will not be deterred from his focus on God's Word. He knows that the Word is essential for victory. 
the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He knows that God's power comes through what God has said to him. And he will not be deterred and he will not be dominated by fear. Psalms 27, one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He trusts in the Lord. And David will not be distracted from the truth. I feel like I don't have to explain that, do I? We're so easily distracted. Attention spans about this big. I feel like we're so easily deterred by the busyness of life. I feel like we're so easily dominated by fear. And there's constant voices telling us of all the things we need to be scared of. And we're so quick to be distracted from where our focus really should be. Paul said in Philippians 4, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. So, so here's what Paul's saying. He's saying all of this is describing what? It's, he's saying these things that you have learned and received and heard and seen. What, did, what was that that they had heard from Paul and seen in Paul and 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 been taught by Paul. It was the Bible. It was the precepts and testimonies of God. And the Bible in practice as Paul lived it out. And he says, do these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Do we need peace? We need peace. We need the God of peace. And we need a David-like focus. Even while evil seeks to destroy, we need a focus on God's Word. And then we see God's Word is sufficient to provide spiritual liberty. Verse 96. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. We know there is really no such thing as protection, I mean perfection, in anything that comes from man, right? As one commentator put it, David has seen the vanity or the meaninglessness of, uh, it's, it's like a vapor of all created good. The bother and the, the empty struggle of that estate which men account the summit of earthly bliss. This is an older commentary, you're going to note that, but... The imperfection of the most accomplished human character, the wretched end of the most prosperous lives. And David has seen the miserable disappointment of those who trusted in men or idolized earthly possessions or enjoyments. All of those things will come to pass. Things here have their limit. We see good, but it's not all good. It's not perfect. We see beauty and creation. We see some joy and happiness. But all of that is just a, a reflection of the glory and the good of God. It's just a taste. And it's just for a moment here. It's not complete and it will come to the end. Nothing else is sufficient. Only God's word. 
And the rest of the verse, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. The idea here is it's wide. It's wide ranging. It, it expresses, expresses freedom of movement. It was the same idea that we saw in verse 45 of this chapter that said, I will keep your law continually forever and ever, and I shall walk in a wide place at liberty, for I have sought your precepts. God's word is wide enough to give us true freedom. Alec Mortar said, it is the place where I can enjoy true freedom, transcending human limits, living according to what James calls the perfect law, the law of liberty. Um, perfect in that it is perfectly designed to match our true, new, real nature, bringing us liberty because obedience triggers the image of God in us so that we are what we were always meant to be. That's the work that God does in us. And that's the freedom that he desires for us to live in. Being set free to live for him. To experience him. And to experience all that comes with knowing him and walking with him. What Moiter references in James is the law of liberty in Christ that sets us free from slavery to sin. Anybody know about that? What does he mean by our true real nature? He's talking about the new nature in Christ. Hebrews 10 talks about that. And the, the new covenant we have in the new Adam, Christ. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Thank you, Jesus. Again, talking about the new life we have in Christ. If the Son has set you free, you are what? Free indeed. Yes. God's Word isn't confining. It sets us free to really live, to really enjoy the real life in Christ. So where do you look when you're feeling overwhelmed, when you're on shaky ground? If you're not focused on and by the word and yielding the sword of the spirit, you may be on spiritually dangerous ground. God's word can serve as a spiritual anchor, another metaphor, but a spiritual anchor in the chaos and the storms that we face. Find stability there. Find life and security and liberty there. So as you look back at this passage, I think about what, what David was saying here. He's, he's saying, I delight in your teaching, Lord. I will not forget your word, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. I've sought to live your word, Lord. I've, I've seen nothing else that is sufficient for my life. I, I, I read this story this week and uh, was reminded of, by it, actually. Um, reminded about it. There was once a Shakespearean actor who would go around, this was several years ago, would go around doing these acts. He was a one-man show, reading and reciting the classics. And he would always end his performance with a dramatic reading of the 23rd Psalm. Each night, without exception, as the actor began to recite, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The crowd would listen attentively. And then, at the conclusion of the psalm, they would rise in thunderous applause in appreciation 
of the actor's incredible ability to bring the verse to life. But one night, just before the actor was to offer his customary reading at the end of his of his production of Psalms 23, a young man from the crowd spoke up and said, Sir, do you mind if tonight I recite the 23rd Psalm? The actor was kind of taken back. It was unusual. He he wasn't sure, but he allowed the young man to come forward and stand front and center on the stage to recite the psalm. Just kind of thinking in his mind, oh, well, this is an unskilled youth. Uh, he won't be any match for my talent, but why not? With a soft voice, the young man began to recite the words of the psalm. When he was finished, there was no applause. There was no standing ovation as on other nights. All that could be heard was the sound of weeping. The audience had been so moved by the young man's reciting that every eye was full of tears. Amazed by what he heard and saw, the actor went to the youth afterwards and said, I, I don't understand. I've been performing the 23rd Psalm for years. I've had a lifetime of experience and training, but I've never been able to move an audience as you have tonight. Tell me, what is your secret? The young man humbly replied, well, sir, you know the psalm. I know the shepherd. I know the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You, you have to know the author to really appreciate what he's sharing with you here. You have to know the one that's speaking to you to really want to receive what he says. I want to encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, Come to God the Father through Jesus His Son. Put your faith in Him today. And for those of us who know Christ, I want to encourage you. You know, but, but believe again that God's Word is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is, it is worth, it is of great value, much great worth. Here's the practical reality. I would encourage you to make a commitment to daily spend time in God's Word, if you're not. Pray for more desire. Ask God to give you a greater appetite for time with Him and His Word. And consider, you know, what am I delighting in? Are things out of whack here? John Piper said, in your life, where does the Word of God come in priority? You need to ask that. Piper says, I'll tell you where it should be. A millimeter under God with nothing above it but Him. That's where the Word of God should be. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, I pray that You would help us. There are so many things in this world that compete for our time and our energy and our focus So many shiny things that uh, take our attention. So many things that we spend so much time worrying about. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be deterred or distracted or dominated by fear. Lord, that we would be focused on you and your word. Lord, that we would treasure this great gift you've given us. Lord, the priority would be where it should be. And Lord, by it, you would feed your children and Lord, you would help us grow 
to be disciples that are equipped to live for you in a dark and perverse generation. Lord, that we would shine like stars. Lord, that we truly would be salt and light. Lord, that we would represent you. That others, when they see us, would see your goodness and your grace and your glory shining through us. And understand there's nothing special about us. It's Jesus in us. Lord, we we pray that you would help us to find the stability and the sufficiency of your word, to understand it and to live that way. Lord, thank you for this time today in your word. In Jesus' name, amen.